I'm Pamela Portnoy, and no one's okay. No one's okay. We are back. I am here today with the lovely, lovely, lovely Jason Crow of Soundwork Studios. He is a casting director, podcast producer, editor, woodworker extraordinaire. Hi, Jason. Hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Our audience probably recognizes you because my former lovely co-host and I used to talk about you all the time on the show. Yes, I did produce your podcast and currently do. Yes. Welcome. So thank you for having me in my studio. <laughs> thank you so much for letting me have you no, in your please, studio. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah. Obsessed with the new setup. I know you guys saw this uh, last time we had Alexa um, on the show, but we're, we're still like working it out. This set is freaking awesome and we're so excited about it. It so. will evolve, but I do love your sign. Thank you. Yeah, it's the best. Thank you. Alexa actually picked it out, so... Badass. No, it's very great. I feel like I'm on a late night show. Welcome to the late night show with uh, uh, Pamela Portnoy and Jason Crow. Uh, late night where no one is okay. <laughs> We're not okay. No. So, Jason, tell me about your journey. Tell me about how you got to this particular moment in time with me. So sorry. Got it. Well, uh, February 16th, 1987 at 7.07 in the morning, I was born um, in Lincoln, Illinois. And then uh, a lot of years later, I am here. And <laughs> Anything to, in between? Long, long story short, <laughs> not a lot happened. Um, no, I my journey. Um, well, I have always, as we mentioned, this is my recording studio, but um, I've always kind of, I grew up playing music in bands. And when I was like 18, I built a recording studio in my room. Uh, and I've pretty much had a recording studio ever since. And now it has recently moved to be inside of Ace Studios. So we have like kind of a very cool setup here. If anyone out there has been to Ace, come check it out. Come check it out. It's pretty dope. Um, and I also, I work in television casting. Uh, I do some movies and, and commercials and stuff, but it's mostly stuff that's on TV. And, um, I also will occasionally make things out of wood. And then that is my like whole this story. Table. This table. Which is very, very smooth and soft. Thank you. That's what sanding does. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So, um, what instruments did you play? Uh, mainly drums. I can play a little bit of guitar and piano, but I grew up mostly playing drums. Anything on this? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thanks, Jason. All right. So, um, so what do you think actors should know that maybe they don't know? Like, what would you say goes on behind the scenes that you wish all of us knew? Um. I think one of the main things with like casting and acting on auditions, because auditions is kind of like a whole different, um, like a whole different beast other than just acting. Like it's kind of like, obviously you're acting, but ta like, um, getting good at auditions is definitely like a different type of skill set. So I would just say that like the most important thing from behind the scenes is just kind of really trusting yourself and trusting your craft to uh, whatever the audition is to like really make it resonate and real and um, find a way to connect in uh, just a real and authentic way. And don't necessarily um, 
worry too much. Like, obviously, you know, you want to be off book and you want to know what's going on and you want to know about the character and stuff. But you do need to make a lot of your own decisions because most of the people that we'll see will kind of just be doing exactly what's on the page. But the people who really stand out are the ones who like really like connect to the character and not just in an authentic way, but a way that's like very authentic specifically to them so they can bring this character to like a new light that we hadn't seen before or seen anybody else do. So, cause a lot of times we'll have, you know, kind of an idea of what's in our head and someone will come in and show us something totally different. A lot of times like that is like the better, the right way to go. Okay. Have you, is there any particular moment that stands out to you where someone has taken it in a completely different direction than the paper? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, there's just certain things that like where, like a lot of times, you know, we'll get a script, we'll cut sides really fast, but I'm not dissecting the material in the way that the actors are before they're coming in. And so, you know, I'll see a bunch of auditions and I'll, and then I may see 40, 50 people before there'll be like a specific beat or a specific line that someone just gets better than other people where someone will come in and make the scene make like real sense for the first time where it's like, you know what's happening and you know what people are supposed to do, but they'll just bring it to life in such a way that, um, you feel that. Yeah. You feel it, but you also, you are just like, Oh yeah, there is a joke there. Or like there is like, there is these beats that they found that bring the whole scene together in a way that like no one else was doing. Um, and in that way, it's like sometimes just like the right choices. It's very obvious. That's so interesting that you said that uh, that part about the joke being there, because a lot of the time, um, one of my favorite things that one of my um, acting teachers has told me is when you're playing uh, the villain, mm-hmm. find the hero and the villain. Yeah. When you're playing the hero, find the villain. A hundred percent. Like you don't like no villain. I mean, maybe there's one or two, but usually they think that they're doing the right thing. Like they're usually often not like, oh, I'm just a menace to society and that's all I'm doing. Usually they have a plan and they want to see it out and just along the way they get very lost. Um, so, yeah, no, that's definitely it's just like bringing just like how how is this character human? Right. Because everybody is multidimensional, even like the the worst type of villain. Right. Has a good side. Yeah. And like has a reason that has brought them to this certain point. Mm-hmm. And so that that's interesting because. Not a, a lot of the time you have to fill in those gaps with right. like a Layers. page. You yeah, know? yeah, and because like no, like you said, like no one's ever feeling just one emotion at a time. Like we feel multiple emotions at a time, and then there's also all these life experiences that play into why we're feeling these emotions. So it's not. So some people will come in and you know the scene reads angry, so they just play angry, but it just reads flat and one note because you're not ever just angry. You know, you're frustrated and you're disappointed, and you're also you know you're mad, like you're sad or you're whatever. Like there's just all these things going on as like a complex human. So I've heard some people say that they completely disregard the punctuation. Would you say that that's like a terrible idea or like a good idea? I mean, because I, if there's like all caps or an exclamation point, like I feel like everyone's going to lean into that because mm-hmm. they think that, oh, that's what they really need. The right. writer wrote it that way. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a balance where you do want to respect what the author and the writers wrote. Like, you don't want to, like, create something completely different where it's just like, well, this isn't the world that we built or this isn't the character that we built. So you do want to try, stay true to the tone of the show. You want to stay true to the script and stay true to the character. You just have to find a way that it really connects with you and... um Sorry, I totally just lost my train of thought. What was the... The punctuation. Oh, the or, punctuation, yeah. yeah. And I feel like stage direction often is a trap. Like a lot of people, they'll they'll always be... 
you know, like they'll go through the script and they'll learn the lines. And then it's like, okay, well, at this beat, I'm supposed to like take a sip of water because that's what it says in the script. So then like you're thinking about that and then you're thinking about too many different things. Right. For audition purposes, I think you can almost always throw the stage direction away. Um, Like if you're in a car driving, like you don't need to play like you're driving. Just connect with the reader and like we'll feel everything internally. Like you don't always need to show us. And we're also just like in a blank room. So like you don't need to like bring in props so you can act out all your stage direction. It's real. What we're really looking for is like, are you the human? Are you the human? Who's like, um, are you connecting? Are you listening? Are, and then also just like, are we watching you? Are you keeping us connected? And most of the time, the only thing that's keeping us connected is their connection. So if they become disconnected, then we'll immediately tune out. So the, the most important thing is just really listening and focusing and connecting with your reader. And a lot of times you're going to have really bad readers, but you have to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean, all kinds of stuff goes on in audition rooms. Um, like... I've I've seen like dogs everywhere and like you you really just got to be the person and stay focused and I think that's I think that's really good advice. Can you give us a peek behind the curtain a little bit? Like you said that you don't necessarily dissect the scene before people come into audition. What kind of conversations do you guys have in casting before actors come in? Oh, we we'll have, you know, casting concept calls. I had one like a few hours ago today. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but we, it's just yeah, we just go over who the characters are, what they're looking for, what they have in mind, if they have prototypes in mind or, you know, they just have an example, like a real life example of someone that we may or may not be able to get, but that's kind of the idea for the role. And then we will go out and look for the best actors that fit that um, that mold that they're looking for. So we really just kind of sit down. We, we'll, we'll read the script. You know, we go over everything. We'll talk about the characters with um, with the producers, and then we'll cut sides and send them out. But, like, I mean, I'm just not doing the same work that the actors are doing where they're sitting down and really dissecting it and building out the world because I don't always have time to do that. Um, so it's just it's funny that because sometimes we'll see – the people who really did the work and build the world makes the scene that I've just kind of read as I was cutting it. And then I read the script once makes so much more sense. Yeah. Um, because they're just connecting to it in a way. I'm like, Oh, that's why like that's, it just makes more sense. Absolutely. Um, gosh, that's so interesting. Are there ever times where you know what the producers are looking for, but then you see something in the room that isn't necessarily what, like a prototype that they wanted and you're like can you just like take a peek at this person oh sure all the time yeah we'll just have like out-of-box ideas we're like you know this is what you're looking for but this person crushed it and how often would you say that works for that person uh i mean it just depends it like i don't think there's a specific percentage because it's very specific to the example Mm -hmm. so and it also just depends on like the openness of the producers and are they okay with another idea or sometimes they're really set in what they want and they really have a good idea and they won't stray from that sometimes they're more open sometimes they don't really even know what they want and they're waiting for like the right actor to show them okay so it just kind of depends like but a lot of times yeah we'll throw out an out-of-the-box idea like here's some other choices that like didn't really fit the breakdown but like we really like these people so just you know check them out just in case and you know sometimes that will work and sometimes it's like oh they're really good but like we'll think of them for something else how did you land in casting uh well i when i went to college i what my major was advertising i originally wanted to write commercials i did grow up like i did some acting classes i did a lot of extra work um me too awesome and i uh (laughs) 
And so, and I, I was watching a lot of TV at that time. So I went to school originally for advertising. That was my major. And I was going to, I wanted to write commercials. Um, but this was like in a time of like where there were like Super Bowl commercials and everything wasn't online. And by the time I was graduating, um, I was a lot more over advertising my, and I minored in film. And so like my last semester, I was completely done with my advertising stuff. So was, my last semester was all film. And I realized like, oh, I definitely want to work in TV. Like I might as well, if I'm like watching a bunch of TV and, uh, and doing all these different things, I may as well have a job where like I'm supposed to watch TV. Uh, was there a class that kind of like hit that for you? I just, I honestly, I think it was the, the whole last semester where all my classes were filmed, where it really just hit me where I was just like, I'm so over. Like, I like the idea of advertising. It's all, I don't know, it's all kind of gross. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of wanted to just get away from that. And, and the whole platform was changing. And so I just, I ended up doing um, a few different internships. I interned at like a management company. I PA'd. Um, I interned in casting. And that's kind of where um, I landed. Just because like I like that the most. It's still creative. You're still, um, you're kind of, I like being behind the scenes. I, I quit being in bands to start producing stuff and you know, did not want to act because I did not like being in the center of attention at all. So the idea of like, you know, producing music or producing podcasts or whatever it is, and then um, casting. So, you know, you're still acting and you're playing with actors and you're being creative in like the process of casting the show. Um, but I don't actually have to pursue acting or any of that kind of type of grind. I mean, casting is a grind, obviously, but totally. Um, it's not the same. I don't, I just, I don't have to, I just, yeah, I don't like yeah, every time camera. I hi. <laughs> hi. He's wonderful on camera, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> he is. Um yeah, I just think it's it's wonderful because every time I talk to you, you're you have your hand in something new. Like you you built this incredible space, you're, you know, bringing more things in every single time there's like something new that you either made or like brought in or like you have an idea to like make the space into something else and I think that's that's like the um, the bread and butter of like creativity. It's like amazing. Um, tell me a little bit about the other podcasts that you have going on. Um, well, you know, it could be yours if you want to come in and record. So, you know, future podcasts. Come anything, on in. Anything is possible. <laughs> um, no, the, the one podcast that I want to mention is the Nostalgia Mixtape, which is something that's been on hold for a bit. So you can see some older episodes that are out there now. But that is a podcast that my friend, uh, Saman Ashrawi, he started he you know birthed and began and then uh we teamed up and just started working on that podcast but basically it is a storytelling podcast where we have on you know singers actors authors whoever it is that will tell how music relates to memory mm -hmm. um so you know you i'm sure we've all experienced where you hear a song and it it physically takes you back to a place i mean not physically but you know what i mean like you may as well have just jumped back 12 years and you're at this party that you're at or just you know it happens a lot with smells so the premise is just you know coming on telling the stories of like where you were like what what's the song where were you why why do you remember like what's this like the story around it and then as um they tell the story we kind of weave in the music as they're talking about it um and we'll have like musical interludes so there's a lot of it's a great way to find new music. I've learned a lot about music or a lot of music I never would have heard um, from different people that have come on to just kind of talk about their nostalgic experiences. I was thinking about that the other day and I was thinking about the, the nostalgia mixtape um, when I was driving my car. I, I, I'm the type of person that loves to drive and just listen to different types of 
you know, music and it's just a form of therapy for me. Totally. Um, even if I like, I'm not going at a particular place, I'll just go for a drive. Right. And uh, there's a particular song which I, uh, you know, it's called Beating Heart Baby. I forget oh, the name. Oh, yeah, no, rest. from um, Alexis on Fire. Not Alexis on Fire. Oh, my God, Head on America. Yes. Yeah. And was... that, if I listen to that song, I'm automatically, like, transported back. I love to, that like, song. To, like, pining over my high school crush, like, driving down Ventura Boulevard, like, with the windows down, just, like, with my, like, former crush. And just, like, I feel so free and youthful and carefree. That's amazing. I, I love that song. It's a Yeah, good and I haven't one. listened to it in a long time. But I was actually just talking to my friends because there's a thing called Chain Fest. I feel like Glassjaw's there, and that's the singer of Head Automatica. It's the same singer of Glassjaw. That was just where it reminded me. But it's like, um, I feel like it's like Taking Back Sunday and Saves the Day. And it's just like all these epic, like just, you know, emo punk, pop punk bands and stuff from like my high school. Would you say that that's like the most nostalgic type of music for you? Uh, pop punk, probably. Yeah. Um, that or just like certain hip hop songs. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like in high school when I was playing in bands and we were like in a rock pop punk kind of band like that was that was like that was also like the years oh i did (laughs) i had bieber hair before bieber so hell yeah um look out bieber look (laughs) out i mean if only you'd like drum on the uh no yeah that's that will show that will show that will show him (laughs) (laughs) um i i got ahead of myself uh because i got so excited by a nostalgia mixtape but question because we have a lot of entrepreneurs and artists that listen to the show um you mentioned that casting is a grind, which it is. It's a lot of the time um, you do get to like stay on a particular show for a long time, but a lot of the time it's like a lot of freelance work. That's always freelance, of... yeah. What kind of advice would you give to entrepreneurs and people that are just like getting going from job to job to job, like keeping momentum or like wh- what would you tell them? Um, well, what's the thing, something that's been really beneficial for me is kind of um, diversifying what I'm able to do where it's not just casting because if I had to rely on just that, I mean, it's been actually very good over the last like 10 years. I can't believe I've been in it for 10 years now, but, um, you're, 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 it's insane. Maybe it's fine. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, it's been very helpful for me is I have other things. Um, so I can, when we go on hiatus, I have other ways that I can, like other jobs I can jump into. I'm helping produce Contact in the Desert, which is the world's largest UFO conference right now. Um, so, so fucking uh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's just like I'm very open to doing anything that sounds interesting. So if things come up, I'll take them. I often, I get in trouble though because I take on too much and that can get very stressful. But it's But now that I'm like trying to find a balance... Um, I'm in a position where I have my hands in different things to where if something ends, I can just kind of shift. Excellent. That's good advice because I, you know, you know, I'm an actor and for me, this was kind of, the show was kind of created with that in mind to like stay creative, stay in the space, um, while, you know, in between auditions and in between jobs Mm -hmm. and it's proving to be wonderful and fun. Yeah. And I'm still, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I just, I really feel like it's just like keep doing stuff. Don't stop doing stuff. It doesn't even matter what it is as long as you're getting better at it. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. Um, You said that you can take on a lot of things and get overwhelmed. How do you deal with your overwhelm? Um, Well, I usually just 
roll up into a ball and cry. Same. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, oh, really? No, I mean, well, sometimes I just get really stressed out and then I just live like that for a few days while I'm figuring it out. Uh, but I I mean, I try to run as much as I can. I do yoga and I try to meditate. Um, I'm for much... an hour. Well, sometimes. that That's... <laughs> Alexa tried. Yeah. I just talked to her, like, I think it was two days ago. She was telling me she tried for an hour but she made it to 20 minutes and she's oh, like but see, that's longer than going. i'm going i made it to like five minutes yeah the other well day. i just i feel like like yes like it's much obviously much easier to meditate for like 10 or 15 minutes but i never appreciated meditation and to be honest with you i didn't even get it like i felt like i felt like i got it i thought for years i understood like what it was and what the benefits were um and like i kind of I intellectually understood it, but I didn't like really understand it until I tried to do it for an hour because it takes like at least 30 to 40 minutes for you to shut your brain down. And then once you do, once you get into that space, it's a so much more of a peaceful place. And then meditating becomes very easy uh, when you're in that space because you're just it's kind of just like this weird, peaceful paradise. But you can't get there in 20 minutes. And then- I mean, maybe you could if you're crazy good at meditating, but those people probably are the people who have, you know, gone to retreats where they meditate eight hours a day or 12 hours a day or whatever it is. And then you can probably dip into it faster. But I never experienced it until someone told me they did the same thing. They just said like, hey, you have to do it for 60 minutes and then like you'll you'll hopefully get it. And then once you get it, it's kind of just like, oh, like why don't I do this all the time? 100%. I, uh, I don't know how, how, how do you feel when you're in like 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour? Is it like, you're ready to come out of it or is it like I don't really want to come out of it yeah well the fir- the very first time I did the 60 minutes it was I had set my alarm for 60 minutes so that way like you're not checking the clock all the time like how long has it been or whatever that way you can just completely forget about that and then the alarm will go off and you know how long it's been um, so I set my alarm for 60 minutes and I think I dipped in to this you know you kind of just like you you peacefully just go over this waterfall um, and uh that and that point, I like almost started. I almost came out of it because I started like kind of laughing because I was like, "Oh man, I should have just set my alarm for longer," because it was really just like, "Oh, this is like a really." It's it's kind it's very hard to explain, but um, but yeah, no, it's just like you're just you're very much at peace. I have been meditating for at least five minutes a day for the last week or so, and it, I really do notice a difference in how I interact with the world around me mm-hmm. um things that would normally completely infuriate me um still infuriate me but like they don't physically affect me yeah. as much as they usually do yeah like i went to a sensory deprivation tank and when i was and i was in it for two hours and that is like a a, a really good way to just kind of force yourself to get into that and place. this is the dark float tank. Yeah, right? there's like no, it's super dark. The water's like the same temperature as your skin. Um, you really can't see or hear anything. So it actually, people are always worried that it's like really claustrophobic. I'm not claustrophobic. That's at all. my fear thinking about it. I was like, what if I feel trapped and I want to yeah. get out? Oh, well, you can just get out okay. if you feel trapped. You can just stand <laughs> up not and get out. Me it's in. literally like no, they <laughs> don't lock you in. Uh, it's like. 10 to 12 inches deep of water so like you lay on your back but there's so much epsom salt that you float like you're in the dead sea mm-hmm. but if you just were to sit up your butt would just go to the ground if you ever needed to feel like grounded because there was a time where because it's there's no sensory input at all it feels like 
everything goes forever. So Very it didn't feel like a cramped space. But yeah, there was one time where I needed to like sit down like the first time I was doing it because I was just got a little disoriented. But once you get comfortable, then it's awesome. But I just remember I was driving home after the sensory dep- deprivation taken. I got stuck in traffic and like I couldn't have cared less. Like nothing mattered. Like people could cut me off and I was like, all right, hi. All right, you must be in a hurry. Uh-huh. Bye. Oh, let me get over <laughs> for you. Let me yeah. get out of your way. It, it really... Um, I think the meditation's helpful, but also, like, I find when I'm frustrated, like, I'll just lean into, and I'm really not trying to toot my horn, but, like, I find that this actually helps me. I try to, like, lean into, like, being kind to the thing that's frustrating me. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. I I don't know. Yeah. No, because, like, yeah, every, I don't know. We just, so much of our anxieties and stuff, like, we make up in our head. Yes. We can make ourselves sick with stress. Mm -hmm. I would love, I know we mentioned this um, the other day when we were talking, but I would love to do an episode on centering and meditation and all that. But I'm going to try to go for an hour and I'm going to go to the float tank. Yeah, you if you're down, I want to talk yeah. to you about our No, for sure. Yeah. No, we, yeah, we should go. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. I really, I really, I'm on like a journey to like, this whole past year has been such a shit show that like, I feel like everyone has had to turn in. And, like, kind of analyze, like, how they function. Right. Um, so I'm, like, on a mission to just make, as my my friend said, I'm, like, this is very convoluted what I'm saying. But, like, my friend and I were talking yesterday about how there are, like, five points to, like, health. Um, physical health, mental health, um, spiritual health, emotional health. Uh, I'm forgetting. Um, intellectual health lots of different Uh, versions and just if one of them's off you're gonna be off right so just like focusing on those things and today um i was thinking about how i wanted to kind of nourish my intellectual and spiritual health because i miss really getting the feeling of getting into a book that i am obsessed with the world with and so i picked up a new book um, I think it's called The Court of Thorns and Roses. Don't come at me, guys. It's kind of like uh, a fantasy romance. <laughs> Have you heard of it? No. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of obsessed. Like, I read 150 pages, like, this morning. Oh, wow. And that feeling of, like, getting really into something, it, it was, like, nourishing me. So I'm into anything oh, that's... that's- Nourishing the soul. Yeah. yeah. Like I had to like get up and, and go to a thing today, not this, a thing before this. And I was like, I don't want to leave my book world. Yeah. But yeah, I felt very grounded. No, that's great. Yeah. And then also like that, like when you get lost in a book, like that's meditation too, because you're not thinking about other stuff. You're just reading the book. 100%. You're, you're in the pictures in your head. Um. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. Okay. Because you nervous. are my first, you are my first uh, solo okay. show guest. So I'm basically a co-host. You're co-hosting the show. Okay, cool. D- would you like to I say don't... anything to no, our audience, no, 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 Jason? No, no. I'm not Jason. Really the host. I'm just kidding. No one's okay. <laughs> We're not okay. <laughs> I am going to ask you if you're okay. But before I do, I came up with some very silly questions that I would like us to take very seriously. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> okay. Give me three Desert Island movies. Uh, like, am I ma- like the real movies? Like, I'm just naming three Desert Island movies. Three movies that you would watch 
for the rest of your life if like you could only oh, choose three. I was literally I was like, okay, I know Castaway. Yeah, I was just I, trying to think of movies that were on a <laughs> desert island. Oh, movies that I can only watch. Okay, yeah. so I can take three. You could take three. Ooh. Uh, this is a hard one. See, I feel like I need I need like a mix of like a funny one, a serious one. Like I, I really appreciate how seriously you're taking the silly questions. That's what I called for. So I know. I please like rack your brain. This down. No. Where I'm just thinking <laughs> no. for an hour and a half. <laughs> just meditating on oh, these questions. <laughs> you just sprung this on me. I didn't get questions in advance. No, he didn't. Um, the one the <laughs> well, the movie that has most impacted me recently, I would say, is Peanut Butter Falcon. So I'll add that to the list. It's fantastic. It's so good. Um What's like a? See, I'm so much more of a TV than a movie. Person. Oh well, my next question is about TV, okay. so we'll get there. Funny, I see. I definitely need a funny one. Yeah. Are you gonna go for a classic or a newbie? Oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> this is so unfair of me. I know. I wish I could have thought about this because I'm sure there's an answer. Can we come back to this one? Yes, we can. Okay. Okay. Pick one. Pick your favorite funny tv show oh uh god there's so many that make me laugh so hard i think like one of the shows that ever made me laugh the hardest was like workaholics excellent i haven't seen it oh it's so funny i'll have to check it out um but there's so many good shows like veep veep is great um oh the righteous gemstones have you seen the righteous gemstones no. oh it's so good it's with like uh adam devine and uh danny mcbride and john goodman and they play like the like John Goodman is the pastor of like a super church, like one I have, of the I'm sold already. Oh, it's so I need funny. to watch it. The Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, is it on Netflix? And Edie no. Patterson is the funniest person in it. I'll have to watch it. I'm gonna write that down. Um, excellent. You gave me more than one, but I I'll know. Let, I'll I'm let sorry. It pass. Those are just yeah. There's a lot of funny <laughs> shows. I got a lot of TV shows, but just the movies. I'm like, would you rather listen to music too loudly or too softly? Oh, too loudly. Okay. What is your favorite wood? <laughs> Uh, either walnut or mahogany. Beautiful. Oh, no. Maybe rosewood. I don't know. There's a lot of nice ones. It just depends on, because sometimes I'll find certain woods that are like, that. It, I don't know. It depends. I like walnut and mahogany a lot, though. I feel like, are you like me where if I have to choose a favorite thing, I feel like I'm hurting the other thing's feelings? Oh. <laughs> Hurting inanimate objects. Are you feelings. hurting Rosewood's feelings by saying a walnut? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, good. Um, actor pet peeve. Actor pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess just like not making choices. Um, is that a thing though? What do you mean? Because if you're gonna play anything, when you say not making choices, do you mean not taking a risk? Or I don't know. Maybe that's not even my biggest. Or playing what's page. exactly on the page. Um, Is that what you mean? I guess just playing exactly what's on the page. Like not having any deeper choices to like what's going on and why. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a pet peeve or not. Because sometimes. Um, also, there are some writers I feel that kind of require you to do exactly what's on the page. No? No, no, no. For sure. I mean, it's just there's just a way that. There, I'm it's just hard looking to, for it's answers very, for myself. No, no, I'm being no. very <laughs> selfish in this interview. I was no, like, it's, I'm taking mental notes. It's hard <laughs> to explain. It's just like they're just, 
when I just feel like when people just do exactly what's on the page, it just comes off as very surface and very not layered. And yeah. um, do you hear that? That was like and a and that's gangster. and I should not say that that's my pet peeve because sometimes that's just like people don't have a great audition or they're whatever. Um, I guess my pet peeve would just be if we're super backed up back pre-COVID days, and like they clearly have seen that there's. 30 people in the waiting room and there should be like three and they tell a story that goes on and on just very chatty on and it's like we have to start this scene now like and i'm just like starting to sweat because i can just feel like oh my god everyone's waiting so long um so that's actually probably my biggest pet peeve that makes sense okay because i feel like my first answer was bad because it's just like oh well my pet peeve is like not being as good as other people (laughs) Fair, fair. So that means like everyone that like didn't get a call back. No, that no, 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 no. And so a lot of times people will do great jobs and they're just not right for that role. Right. But they'll have a really nice read, but it's just like this doesn't make any sense, or like, or they're feeling too old, or they're feeling too young, or they're feeling whatever. It's just not right for that role. Like just because like you don't hear anything on the role does not mean you did a bad job. Yeah, it might mean that. But like it doesn't like you could you could like do everything right and it's just not your role. I have a very kind of weird question now um, that I didn't even think of before. This is not part of the silly questions we're going to take seriously. Okay. Um, how do you f- do you support the no feedback? Well, I mean, it's not that I support it. It's that the time doesn't exist. Right, because you're seeing so many people. I'd love to give everybody feedback. But also, like, I'll have... It's just, like, there's always something that's very important that I need to do that is important by the people who are paying me. Right. So I can't, like, stop what I'm doing to give the 40 people who emailed me feedback. Um do people email you for feedback? Oh, really? all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, and sometimes, sometimes they'll get it. Like, there's no harm in asking. It's just like I can't always answer. Like, if there's gonna be, like, emails that I ignore, like it's feedback and pitch emails. Like, I can't get to all. It's insane. I'll get hundreds a day. You guys are seeing so many actors and sending appointments and sending callbacks and booking people and meeting with producers. Like you have, I'm, I'm, I'm scheduling amazed everybody that like, you even saw people in person to begin with, because I know that you guys would see and casting in general would see hundreds of people. Oh yeah. For each role. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I did get feedback for one role once and I remember like hearing the numbers and it's like, oh yeah, we got like 5,000 submissions and then we saw like 400 tapes and then we only like called in like eight people to come in person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot. And that's why I like another reason where I'm like, I like being on the other side of this. Like it's very competitive. Um, And the thing is like the people who are getting called back out of those you know there's 5,000 submissions and they send out 400 tapes and the people that are getting called back they're um oh my god completely blanked on um (laughs) it just like completely went away uh the numbers the numbers of people who get called back I don't know the time that you have for feedback how many for feedback it's gone. Totally fine. But no, <laughs> no, that makes sense. You just, you wish you had the time, but you don't have the time. Yeah. No, I mean, and I would love to give people feedback. Oh, so, oh my God, it came in and then it went away. Uh, 
Very tempestuous, that I know, thought. it's really weird. Uh, the... I don't know. I can let you sit with it while I yeah. go to my next silly question. See, there's so much editing I wish I could do, but I can't because of you. Not you, the camera. <laughs> like I was there. looking right at the camera. Oh, uh-huh. hey. Um, I already asked you my next one, which was most nostalgic song. Um, so I'm going to move to the next one. Play-Doh or Gak? Oh, Play-Doh. I don't, I don't think I ever played with Gak. Never. Is that the, just the green one? Yeah. Oh, it's like okay. the Nickelodeon. Oh, right. Play-Doh. Um, I like the smell of Play-Doh better. That's a great answer. <laughs> but Gak might be more fun. You can like make a pop and stuff. Fuck I mean, yeah. you can do that with the Play-Doh, I guess, but it's been a while. I love that so much. <laughs> um, what are you working on right now and where can our listeners follow you? Um, and what do you want them to check out? I am working on this studio sound work. Um, I am working on the 4400 reboot for CW. Uh, Badass. We will I'm excited be, for it. We also have In the Dark was picked up for season four. That's a fun one. And I then, really like In the Dark. And then Republic of Sarah airs in like a week. Fuck yeah. So we have fingers crossed for season two. Um, those are the things. And oh, contact in the desert. Uh, I I wanted to this ask year, about unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, it's a virtual conference, which is still cool, but it's not nearly as fun as when we do it live. Um, like two years into 2019, obviously we didn't do it last year, but in 2019 we did it at the um, Indian Wells Renaissance, like the Marriott Renaissance. Like it's like a, this big resort. We ran out the whole thing. We had like five thousand people. Um, thirty-seven speakers. It's more of like a. It's actually more like intellectually based. It's not just like oh, I saw an alien, but it's like really like there's like scientists and and all these like just different like experiencers and all. And it's also about a lot, a lot about like con- consciousness and like ancient archaeology and uh, different stuff like that. But um, yeah, contactinthedesert.com. That's amazing. Um, how do you feel about all the information that has been coming out lately about? Doesn't the government yeah, like release a lot of documents? They've about- been doing a lot, uh, like slow slowly moving towards disclosure but you know we'll see they we hear that a lot and but a lot of people have come out talking about stuff i mean they basically just said the other day i forget who it was that said it but they said that like we know for sure that these crafts are at least a hundred to a thousand years more advanced than we are um but they don't know who they are so they're they're getting around to start they're starting to say that when when they're talking about that are they talking about have they like gone have any landed here or are they just well, like talking seen about things them. that they've seen in the sky? Just seen in the sky. Okay. Um, but it's like Air Force pilots and different things and it's just like, you know, uh, crafts maneuvering in ways that are not physically possible as right, far like as very we quick, understand. Like um, yeah. jarring movements. No, like insanely. Like it, it seems to have figured out gravity in a way that we don't understand. That's I'm fascinated by that stuff. Have you ever seen a UFO? Uh, no, not personally. But I, but working in these conferences and stuff I've seen and talked to hundreds of people who have um and i you know i've seen a lot of videos and it's always the weird grainy videos but i'm just very open to um like we don't know what's going on we don't know why we're here or what this planet is or where we are in the universe and we don't even know like what goes on and like at the bottom of most of the oceans exactly exactly so we have no idea what's going on i'm open to whatever hell yeah (laughs) i like it be open see see what's going on the the universe is huge yeah, infinite actually. Infinite. That's big. <laughs> That's pretty big. <laughs> That's real big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I was gonna say I was listening to a podcast called Unexplainable. Have you I've heard of that. I don't think I've ever listened to it though. Um, they did an episode on ball lightning and So weird. I seen have you seen the video of the ball lightning? It's like in a plane. Like as no. they're flying. Yeah, no. it's crazy. 
I haven't even heard of this phenomenon until I just it popped up on my podcast feed and I listened to the episode and it was fascinating and I was like oh my god what I thought was a UFO was totally ball lightning. oh yeah yeah no there's a lot of people that will see like things that are definitely explainable but then there's also stuff that people see that is not explainable I was driving in the car and I saw a it looked like a basketball that was on fire. Oh yeah, no, it's so and it moves and it was slow very sometimes. Very slow, just yeah. like in an arc. And I'm like, and That's I was cool. with my dad, and I was like, what the fuck? And he was like, what the fuck? It was like totally. We couldn't explain it. And then I heard that. I was like, oh. And I texted him. I was like, that was probably ball lightning. And he's like, you know, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. So Crazy. weird. Yeah. So that's a that's a weird one. That's really rare. That's cool that you saw that. Yeah. Yeah. You never saw. No, I've never seen ball lightning. I mean, I've seen plenty of videos, but. Nothing like that. And it, it trips me out that like it could be in different colors too because some people see it in blue. I saw it in orange. Oh. Like yeah, the videos I've seen are like blue. Crazy. So maybe maybe it was not that if it's an orange. Yeah, I don't know. I mean probably is was probably ball lightning, but Okay, don't don't uh, rain on my parade no, over no, here. No, it could be it could be anything. <laughs> Jason. Yes. Are you okay? Yeah. Um for the most part. But but I know. Um <laughs> I mean, all things considered, I have no complaints. Excellent. But, you know, I could use more free time. What would you do with said free time? Nothing. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe read. Yes. But yeah. what, what are you throw my phone reading? into the ocean. What are you into reading? Because you laughed at my court of <laughs> No, I just never I had just never heard of it. No, I read mostly nonfiction stuff. I read a lot of like stuff about like ancient history and like and weird things stuff that like unexplainable stuff like like you know I, so I you should check out the podcast unexplainable <laughs> yeah exactly um no i just i i like a lot of history stuff i like a lot of um just mostly nonfiction. just like fiction stuff is cool but like our world and where we are is so crazy and so many crazy things have happened like there's so many true stories that are crazier than any movie you've ever seen so i i, I always kind of like stuff that I know is real. That's so interesting. That's why I love uh, the podcast lore because it's all like very heavily mm-hmm. researched. Yeah. But it, it does like tiptoe on that border of fantasy and reality. Yeah. Because these are stories that people have documented. Right. And but it'd be like a lot of people, but you just can't prove it. Right. Yeah. 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 And then like on the, on the provable side, I guess proof history. Oof. We'll see. People say stuff is provable, but. History is written by the winners, so we don't know what happened. But um, the, the, there's a podcast called Hardcore History that I love. Um, that's a great one. Fabulous. Um, very good. So you said you were you were doing the the convention, the contact in the desert. In yeah. the desert. Um, come to sound work, you guys. It's. I mean, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. It's we're in Burbank. Wonderful, and um, casting all those wonderful shows, and. You want more free time. Yeah, and I guess I would make some stuff in free time, like do furniture and read. That's probably all I do. Do furniture. Yeah. (laughs) Make it. Yes. I don't know how to speak. I love it. Jason, you are so awesome. I'm so happy you joined me today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. This was a pleasure. Yay. We will see you guys next time. This podcast was produced by Jason Crow and me, Pamela Portnoy, with music by Jordan Ross Weinhold. 
You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at No One's Okay. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love kind reviews. No One's Okay is also on YouTube. So if you want to see our faces, please subscribe to our channel. An extra special thank you goes out to Sean Moore, Claire Palmer, Jackson Palmer, Tiffany Hamoff, and Alexa Marie Anderson. This podcast was recorded at Soundworks Studios. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.